welcome everyone. This is episode one of Goody and Momo 7 at the movies. We uh, just rewatched uh, Avengers Infinity War and we are going to bring you our little review. Uh, this is the first review for us. Uh, I'm Goody, this is Momo7. We are going to try and do this as often as possible and post some reviews on some of the more popular films that have been coming out throughout the year and some that, and some that have been released in the past few years. Uh, we figured we'd start off with this one today since Avengers Endgame is going to be coming out uh, in the next couple of months. Um, myself, uh, I have loved movies for pretty much all my life, uh, all different types of film, a lot more science fiction, action, comedy. Uh, big fan of Star Wars uh, films as well as superhero films. And I will let Momo7 do his intro. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Johnny Mo, aka Momo7. Um, I'm a big. Uh movie fanatic and a comic book uh, fanatic. Those are probably my number one and number two hobbies. Um, so having this first episode as a, uh, a review of Avengers Infinity War is, is perfect for me. Um, I've been a big uh, movie fan ever since I was a kid. Um, my my uh, movie love of movies goes to all decades, all genres, all countries, although predominantly most of the films I am familiar with is definitely, you know, American or United States based or English speaking, but I have dabbled in every single area of film that you can come up with. Um, just want to throw something out there, just a little bit of the language that you that I'll probably be using uh, for, this ep for this episode and, and any further ones. Um, when it comes to criticizing film or, or reviewing film, um, and this goes for almost anything that you can uh, criticize or review. Um, there are three scales uh, to how things can be categorized in a sense, um, and I've been a big proponent of this my entire life, and, and how you talk about things. And there's, there's what is greatness versus quality versus your favorite. At the end of the day, um, your favorite is what you like the best, regardless of anything else. And um, Quality can be very subjective, you know, uh, what is the best or what is better than, than something else. I mean, there can be a lot of argument about that. And greatness is more of a reflection of the historical record. Greatness is, uh, there's a little bit of subjectivity to it that you could argue, but at the end of the day, greatness of something is something that is established. It's almost a recognition of something's place in history. Um, you could argue, I could argue that Paris is one of the greatest cities in the world, even though I've never been there, I don't need to be there. It is, it is historical. It is, it is a part of um, history. Um, whether I would like it or not is something else. Whether it's uh, the best city on earth, that's something else. So, so when I talk about when I mention those things, it will depend on what scale you're looking at, and I think that goes with anything. So. Just wanted to get that out there. Never have to say that again, <laughs> because I, I would like to think that people that follow this would start with episode one, know who we are and how we think and what our passions are, and then just go forward and from there. from there. Yeah, and we never really have to go over the same ground twice. So get us in the beginning and keep going. And just remember, too, that th this is just, these are our opinions. You know, sure. They, these don't really count for anything other than for us. We thought this would be fun to watch something and kind of share a passion that uh, that we both love uh, and talk about those films other than just to each other. Mm -hmm. This is something that we've wanted to do for a very long time and we thought at the beginning of 2019 was a, was a good time to really start this. So you may either agree, disagree, um, see a lot of our viewpoints, 
Um, and that's all great, you know, there, there are going to be movies that, that we, he and I will disagree with, um, some that we, we both love, some that we both dislike, uh, and you and the audience may feel the exact same way, and that's perfectly fine. So uh, we hope you guys join us uh, below with some of the comments afterwards. We will try and answer questions on the subsequent episodes that we do, and we're going to try and make this a lot of fun. So I think with that, let's get started with Avengers Infinity War. Yeah, I mean, I say, this is, this is all food for thought and entertainment purposes, and like uh, uh, Goody said before, you know, we've always wanted to do this. Well, the reality is we've always been doing this. We've just That's never true. done it in front of That's true. We've never done it in front of the camera. We've never we... done it in front of the camera. We finally decided to capture the, the, many, you know, the many conversations that we have about uh, films and whatnot. Um, you know, and, and we've talked about, had these conversations numerous times at and, and, and passionately. Absolutely. At um, to sort of, to, to do it uh, in front of an audience to people can, you know, either just enjoy the, the back and forth and, uh, and maybe even learn something, learn something that you haven't heard before or see something from a different point of view. Absolutely. Um, so I, I hope everyone does enjoy this and, and continues to come back for, for later episodes and hopefully this one is, is, is fantastic. But like uh, Goody said, this is, a, this is a great starting point, um, you know, Avenger, Avengers Affinity War. So with that, I will. Yeah, well said. I will well said. Goody open, open with the opening volley. Uh, Avengers Infinity War was a, I think it was a, a huge accomplishment. Uh, it was a, you know, 10 years of building up to this. Marvel has done uh, a very good job. They've had a very, you know, formula, form, formulatic, is that correct? Formulaic? Formulaic? Formulatic? Formulaic. Formulaic uh, process to the whole thing, uh, which has really worked out well for them. You know, most of their films have been received very well critically, as well as done very well at the box office. Um, Infinity War, I would put up there, uh, possibly in my in my top five for Marvel's films. Right. So, Hi everybody! So we're back. Um, <laughs> um, one of uh, one of our third, I wouldn't say our third passion, but one of Goodies and Mind's passions is the consumption of alcohol. So to 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 start. Uh, our inaugural, or I should say, our first ever episode of this. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a little cheers. Cheers. Nothing better than a pint of Guinness to get the, get the creative juices flowing. Every uh, episode we will probably have uh, some type of uh, beverage with us as we go through uh, our review. Just kind of keep things fun and, uh, and flowing along. So you will certainly get a world tour, <laughs> <laughs> most likely. Um, we are we actually are filming out in New York. Um, a lot of the some of the local breweries uh, I am a big fan of, so I typically will uh, have usually have a glass of one of those. Yes. What are you drinking? So right now I'm drinking a, a Blue Point, for a Blue Point beer right now from Blue, Blue, the Blue Point Brewery that's in Patchogue. So with that, uh, let's get started. Or back into Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, this is a 10-year culmination of films that Marvel has put out. I believe Infinity War was film number... That was 20 or 21, I think. Uh, I can't believe it's actually been that many films, but I'm you know, starting with Iron Man back in 2008 and just kind of going forward from there. Um, I, this, the, the visual effects in this film are outstanding. Uh, I would say that's one of the first things that really does stand out. Uh, in this film, and it's been nominated for an Academy Award in the visual effects uh, category, so I think that should definitely speak for itself. Um, 
I love the repetitive theme from Alan Silvestri, the Avengers theme. To me, that is the the Avengers theme is the one theme that stands out in the Marvel Universe. Um, I can't remember too many other themes from all the other characters in the films except for the Avengers one. The first time they do that panoramic view um, with all the Avengers set back to back. Hey everybody, so we're back. So we and left off with, uh, I think, Alan Silvestri. Yes. So we're going to have some. We're going to have some creative edits here, only because uh, we have a. Uh, it's unavoidable. We have a house full of people, and we will get interrupted, and that's okay. That's life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I was telling you, I think Alan Silvestri's theme for the Avengers ha has really stood out um, throughout all of the Marvel films. Uh, most of the other ones, uh, I, I don't think, are as uh, iconic. I think this is definitely going to be one of the themes that's always remembered. Um, the the storyline itself, it's you know, it starts off pretty much um, leaving where Thor Ragnarok left off. You know, Absolutely. having uh, all the Asgardians up on that ship. Uh, you just, but you know, when the in the end of Thor Ragnarok, there were a ton of Asgardians on that ship, and you really only see like the small handful on the, I guess, the bridge area. I'm sure, and and it's interesting because I think they state that only half of them were killed, but I think. It looks like they're right. all I mean, dead. It looks, like, it looks like they're all dead because it looks like the, ships, the, the ship basically is destroyed by the time the, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy get there. So mm -hmm. we don't really know what happens to them. But Thor does mention that he, you know, he killed, you know, that, that Thanos had killed most of his people on board that ship. Yeah, but I, to me it looked like they were all floating around in space dead. And if, they right. only walked, if, they only, if the Guardians only walked away with Thor from there, they're also going to float out there. And which which I, exactly. I mean, which I, I, can't, I can't see them... Killing them off. I mean, the fact they just introduced Valkyrie back in Thor Ragnarok, mm -hmm. and she was such a popular character, and she had such a good role. I would think they would want to use her again in some way, shape, or form. So I can't see that. Yeah. Um, you know, we see the the on-screen deaths of both uh, Heimdall and Loki. Uh, now this is all before the snap, so we don't necessarily know what their fates are going to be come Endgame. Uh, yeah, I, I'll have more to say about that later. It, it, yeah, I think it, when we get towards like the end of this review and when we actually discuss the, the snap and the ramifications of it, I think we mm -hmm. can really get into that. By the way, if you didn't really notice uh, this, uh, spoilers, okay, I will say that right off the bat, but this film has been out uh, almost a year, so if you haven't seen it by now and are watching this video, stop and go watch the movie. Right, and, and if back. you haven't seen any of the Marvel movies, I would... Highly recommend you watch them all in order. In order. <laughs> um, and that, Might take you a while. The funny thing about the Marvel movies is, is that each one is independently enjoyable, but they are part of a larger superstructural story. Um, so watching them in order, which is basically what we did, we, you know, we watched them in order of theatrical release because we went to see them all in the movies. But watching them in order is a, is a higher level of satisfaction because you get to, you get to follow the larger story that's being taken place, which is ultimately culminating um, in Avengers Infinity War yeah. and Avengers Endgame, which is really exciting. And like I said, it's, it's been a 10-year journey, um, so it's, uh, it was a huge investment uh, from Marvel Studios in terms of you know, money and dedication and, and storyline. You know, this is one of the things that basically has set apart um, all other comic book studios or comic book movies or franchises is that they have um, invested into this into this storyline um, that is 
basically it's a it's a it's a Marvel it's a Marvel cinematic universe where all the movies are interconnected. Where previously, even previous Marvel movies and almost anything made by DC um, in long past, basically every movie itself was an independent entity, or each franchise was its own it's independent all. entity, and there was no crossover. And Marvel, you know, basically did this from the very beginning. They, they, their intentions at the very beginning were to make it larger. Um, you know, with Iron Man 1, you know, 10 years ago about, you know, it, was, it wasn't like they just kind of started making movies and decided to link them together later or through the course of the process. They had this design put in place in the very beginning and it was very ambitious. Yeah. Um, and it paid off because if you look at the amount of uh, money uh, that these movies have made and the popularity of these movies and, and you know and how good they are and, and they're all different um, it's uh, it's been a, a long amazing journey and it's been very it's, from a cinematic perspective um, and even and from a comic book perspective or a comic book movie perspective it's been really a uh, really enjoyable ride uh, and it's not going to be over. No, they, they've got plans. I mean, what are they going into right now? This is the end of Phase 3 and they're going to be starting Phase 4 I think after uh, after Endgame yeah, right? right? So, I mean, you think about that first, the introduction of the whole thing was at the very end of Iron Man. The very first after credit scene that Marvel has made so popular is Nick Fury saying, you know, you just became a part of a... Something bigger. Something bigger, you know, yeah. and, and that that was incredible. I don't think anybody really expected to see that happen. Uh, and then where they went from there, and of course, Tony Stark having the cameo at the end of The Incredible Hulk and so on and so forth as the movies have just gone along and we've they've gone gone on further we well we apologize if there's any background noise because there are kids in the house and and that's okay you know we're we you know we both have families you know we you know it is what it is um so going uh it's interesting what uh we're bringing up the fact that these movies have been around for 10 years and and the reality is is that you know after 10 years you have these actors and actresses that have been playing these roles for a long time and Marvel has a succession theory, in the sense that you know, you know, what's his name? Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be playing Iron Man for for 20, ten more years, twenty, like thirty see, years. Right, right. You know, there's you know there's a certain you know shelf life. Unlike in the comic books where characters live forever, um, these people are aging and they have contracts and they have a they've been set up for a certain number of films and. With the wave of characters that have been introduced, the older characters are eventually, inevitably, had to be phased out to make way for some of the newer characters. Um, which is, and the great thing about the Marvel universe is, comic book wise, is that there are so many characters to choose from. They didn't just put everybody in at once, and ten years from now everybody's gone, and now they don't have anything to do. Everybody's been introduced over the course of time, and they still have more characters. Which have not been introduced yet, um, and I think Chris could speak to this. Goody could speak to this in the terms of um, Marvel Studios getting back the rights right. to the rights uh, for other all characters. other characters, all from twenty, you know, from Fox, uh, the X Men characters, Silver Surfer, Fantastic Four. Um, I'm sure we are going to be seeing that intertwined at some point uh, in the next year or so. I think there's going to be more details that are being put out about that. Uh, I mean, Kevin Feige has been an absolute architect when it comes to designing this, designing all these phases and where these movies are going to go. Uh, I, I think from the very beginning he had a roadmap and they have s stood by it. And, you know, 
whether some things, I mean, you know, Inhumans ended up getting canceled, they pushed that to TV, that didn't do so hot. Um, they've had to change directors a few times, you know, things, things happen, unfortunately, behind the scenes that we don't really know about. Um, but they have recovered just about every single time, and they've, they've made very wise business decisions. And it's like, uh, like Momo was saying, it, it's paid off. Yeah. So I, I see that continuing going forward. And I, I think they're going to keep putting out a, a high-quality product. I don't think that's really in question. Um, because at some point, these characters are going to go. There, I mean, I think we already know in Endgame that there are going to be characters from the original Avengers that pass on in one way or another, whether they are physically killed on screen or they so, you know, quote-unquote, retire from the role and someone else that's already existing in the universe is going to take over their spot, similarly to the way that's occurred in comics. Um, but it's just impossible, you know, these, there's no fountain of youth where we can keep these actors around forever to keep playing these roles as much as we would like someone like a Chris Evans or a Robert Downey Jr. or even Chris Hemsworth with which, uh, how good they have been in these roles. And they will always be remembered for that. Uh, very much like the way that Christopher Reeve is always remembered for being Superman. I don't think that that's ever going to change with some of these, uh, some of these guys. Like Robert Downey Jr., you look at him, you, say his, you, you hear his name, and automatically you think of Tony Stark. I, I don't think you can separate those two ten years later. You know, like that, he has, he has you know, catapulted himself as one of the best right now in Hollywood, especially money-making-wise, because of this franchise. And it's just gone on and on between the cameos that he's made uh, and just starring in some of these films. Uh, I, it'll be interesting to see what happens to some of these guys after they leave the Marvel Universe. I'm sure some of them will continue to do very well, but where these roles go afterwards, where the characters themselves go, should be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it, and it's, it's interesting to note um, that, you know, so the, like you said, the first, the first 10 years for the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been almost entirely focused on uh, the Avengers and their, you know, periphery characters. And now as that uh, wave is, is, is leaving, you know, it opens up for the next wave of where, you know, you can do another, you know, five or ten year major story arc um, with other huge, huge characters, you know. Once you start pulling in the mutants, uh, the, or the, you know, the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, or, you know, the Fantastic Four and Silver Surfer, you know, these are, you know, the, the the mutant universe is enormous, and the, the scope of the Fantastic Four's, uh, uh, you know, universe that they're dealing with it is enormous as well, because, I mean, they're, you know, they constantly have dealt with, you know, cosmic entities and things of that nature. Um, so, the potential is, um, is absolutely enormous. You know, I'm really looking forward, you know, for the next ten years, yeah. for what's coming out. You know, even though there, um, a lot of characters have been bled off into Netflix, um, you know, a lot of original Marvel characters, you know, now populate the Netflix universe, which is actually part of the Marvel yes, Cinematic which is Universe. Part of the MCU. Even though they don't really the Marvel appear, the, it's well, the MCU, they reference each other. The, the MCU doesn't <laughs> reference those characters as much, but the yeah. the Netflix shows uh, have mentioned events that have occurred. A lot of it was the you know the event in New York, mm -hmm. uh, I think, so to speak. That that was mentioned a couple times. Newspapers that were mentioned about the invasion of New York. You saw that I think a few times in uh, in Daredevil. Um, now, even though that those shows are being canceled on Netflix, uh, who knows what's going to happen with the Disney streaming service, uh, if those are going to get transferred over at some point. I don't think we're going to lose those characters. I think we might get them back in some way. I would like to think so. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't think it's going to be on screen. 
which is, uh, I guess, a little bit of a shame, you know, as far as the big screen goes. I don't think you're going to see Charlie Cox dressed up as Daredevil uh, in a future Avengers film as much as we would probably like to see something like that, because he is, uh, Charlie Cox has done a great job, I think, with, with Daredevil. Uh, I think that's going to probably stick to more streaming, uh, as well as some of the MCU characters now also coming to the Disney streaming service mm -hmm. they've had. They were talking about uh, a Scarlet Witch show, Loki even getting his own series. Uh, yeah, I think even Falcon uh, was being talked about getting his own series. So I think you're going to start to see some of those characters once. I'm sure you know, once they, Disney starts to really release more information about their streaming service, um, probably that will happen later this year. Is my guess that we should start to see a plan for for those characters as well. Yeah. Which is it's interesting because you know we talk about obviously this episode is all supposed to be about the Avengers Infinity War, but it's it's kind of hard to just discuss that and not take into consideration everything that's led up to this. And that's that's exactly um, the whole... That, that is the crux of everything, is that because because you're dealing with a Marvel movie universe, the Avengers movie is not its own inclusive... Well, sorry, exclusive topic. Right. The, the scope of, of it is just so large. It, it is involved with everything, absolutely. And, you know, as much as, you know... I mean, we're going to obviously continue to talk about the Avengers film mm -hmm. uh, after this, but it's... It's 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 just amazing what they've been able to accomplish in ten years, and the entertainment that they've given us, and the content that we've been able to watch. Um, most of it, most of it being good, I would say, you know, and, and, and enjoyable. And, but and I, I wouldn't say it would be outside of the realm of possibility to take some of those Netflix characters and and hand maybe handpick them and pull them into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think they could, um, you know, and even if they're recast, because keep in mind the you know. Person playing the Hulk now is not right. the original. Not is not Ed Norton. No. Um, so as know. much as I liked Ed Norton, uh, Mark Ruffalo has done an amazing job stepping in. Yeah. Uh, and even um, Don Cheadle. Don sure. Cheadle stepped in uh, for oh, who was in that first Iron Man film? Oh, that's gonna kill me. That. I oh, I I know who you're talking about. Okay. It, well, even Thanos is not the original yes. actor. Yeah. And oddly enough, and it, it's always been. Uh, when they when they first introduced Thanos in the original Easter eggs of some of the earlier movies, um, I really really liked who was playing him. And then when they then when they switched over to um, what's his name? To oh man, we just we just watched it too. Sorry, we'll guys, come up we're, with that. We're on the spot. We kind of got a little deer yeah. in headlights, but we'll yeah. we'll we'll figure it all out. We're a little we're a little light on some of the exact specifics because we're just kind of going into this. But you know, at the end of the day, we do have our our you know firm opinions and, and story and um, you know, stories to tell. Um, so yeah, uh, having you know the I, I felt that the the person they replaced with Thanos did not wasn't as good as the first choice, but. We've been stuck with this character for so long. It, he's actually grown on me. Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. And now it's a, it, you know, being that, you know, he, he's been stuck in Easter eggs with snippets. Yep. And it's, you know, it's like little. He did make a small appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy. There was a small appearance of him small. as Josh Brolin. That, that was Josh Brolin yeah. that did that. Smaller appearances. And now with the with with um, Avengers: Infinity War, you know, a full blown character fleshed out with with many many scenes. You know, there's much more opportunity. Um, to do it as opposed to like you know like the you know uh, a sound bite you know or a, right. or a movie bite. This is you know a full movie based on this character. But Thanos is a, that's a good transition to go back into Infinity War because mm -hmm. this movie is really about him. As sure. Much, as much as we get just about every character, all the all these main characters from all these uh, subsequent films that have been out there, Thanos is the main character in this film, 
and, and this is very funny. Um, I, I just noticed this. I mean, maybe even for the first time. So um, we just, like I said, we just finished watching the film. And it's always, you know, best time to talk about a film is, is right after you watch it because you, you remember so much more. The, the final line in the credits yes, you is, saw this. Is, very, is very interesting. It says, you know, Thanos will return. You know, whereas in previous movies it's been, you know, Doctor Strange will return or right. Spider-Man will return. Thanos will return. Right. And that is, that is very interesting. And, um, and, I'm, and I know that the Russo brothers have already pretty much gone on and said that this was Thanos' story. That this whole thing, this was his story to tell. Uh, and the, I don't know if they're trying to make a, a, him a sympathetic character in some instances, especially when uh, he takes Gamora and throws her off the ledge to sacrifice her. Um, there was an emotional component to that, and you can almost see the struggle in Thanos' face when he makes that choice to you know, and to, to throw her off and basically kill his his daughter. But he firmly believes what he's doing is right, yep. and no one is going to tell him otherwise. There's there's no there's no talking him out of this. Not not no one in the none of the main heroes were able to persuade him otherwise, and and I. I don't think that's going to change going forward. I tell you, this this take on Thanos is is very different um, from the, the the original comic book Thanos. Um, you, know, you know, you could almost um, argue that this cinematic Thanos has a valid point. He is not evil. He is not killing in for his the eyes. Sake, in his eyes. In his eyes, he's he not is evil. not killing for the sake of killing. He is killing for a higher purpose. Um, and it is actually a very appealing, appealing argument. Um, it is insensitive to the individual, um, but it is very um, sensitive to the greater needs of the universe, which he has taken upon himself to, to be the, the, the caretaker of. Um, you know, the person, the one person willing to make the hard choices. Um, but there, the significant departure uh, from the original comic book Thanos is, is very, very interesting because the. The original Thanos is a very flawed comic book character, and he is mainly interested in in conquest um, and taking over. Um, and his original motive back in the seventies was not to kill half the universe. His motive was to kill the everybody, which is a you know which is erratically for a villain. Yeah, that's for, for a radically a villain, yes. different um, uh, endgame. Um, his 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 goal. Uh, in the in the seventies, was to literally kill everyone as an offering to the entity of death, um, which he had a, um, a, a infatu infatuation with. Um, so, if you want to kind of read the original comic book storylines, which are are really good, just slightly you, did you read the original? I think it was Infinity Gauntlet was some of this was taken from. I, I've never read. Well, that. they definitely took things. Um, so, okay, so Thanos was originally introduced in uh, Iron Man number fifty five, um, um, a creation of Jim Starlin, not a creation of uh, Stanley, um, and he eventually became the nemesis mainly of Captain Marvel and Warlock. So, so right after uh, Thanos was introduced in Iron Man, um, he became, um, there was a big story arc in Captain Marvel where Thanos was trying to get uh, possession of the Cosmic Cube, um, which is the, which eventually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe became the Tesseract. Um, but the, he, you know, it was a matter of getting the Cosmic Cube and being in charge of everything. 
Um, and eventually he was beaten by Captain Marvel, and then he became uh, the nemesis of Adam Warlock. Um, and that was where it began the seeds of his uh, intention to, his infatuation with death and to wipe out, uh, wipe out all of life. Uh, and the final culminating battle in the 70s took place, it was a two-part story that took place in Avengers Annual Number 7 uh, and Marvel 2-in-1 Annual Number 2 from 1977. And it really is a lot of this. It is basically everybody versus Thanos. And everybody at that time was the Avengers and Captain Marvel um, and Adam Warlock and uh, Moondragon and The Thing and Spider-Man. All, and, you know, a full complement of Avengers at that time, um, all of them against Thanos. And he is uh, ultimately, he is ultimately beaten and, and killed uh, in that. But as in all things Marvel or comic book-wise, people come back. Absolutely. Um, and when he came back in the 90s, uh, that is where, uh, incidentally, resurrected by Jim Starlin, who who created Thanos and, and wrote all of, actually wrote pretty much all of those uh, 70s books, um, which is why Jim Stone gets a very, you know, heavy credit in the end credits of this of this movie. And he should. You know, all the, all the, all the creators should get their, their due credit at the end of these films because without them, we would not be able to enjoy these characters on screen. Oh, yeah. And there are so many characters in this film that the, uh, the actual thank yous, that they, the accolades that they give at the end, um, they denote all these different characters created by so-and-so. And special thanks to all these uh, contributors in the past. So it actually is a much longer list than you will see in, in most of the other films um, because the, in this movie, everybody, the scale, everybody's the scale in characters that are in this. Um, so in the 90s, uh, and not to belabor the point, but the 90s is when they introduced uh, basically uh, the Infinity Gauntlet. Now, the, in the 70s, the, the six stones were called Soul Gems, um, all of the different powers. Um, when they introduced them back in, when they introduced Thanos and Warlock and Gamora and Pip back in the 90s, um, they brought in the concept of the Infinity Gauntlet and the six Infinity Stones that would be placed. And there was a long... Uh, at that point, I believe Thanos was there to stay. He was such a great yeah. character that he, I don't know that he's actually ever left the comic book universe since then, even in his various But he's, he's a great villain. I mean, at the end of oh, yeah. uh, at the end of the first Avengers, when they have that teaser at the end, and they, they show, you see Thanos turn around and smile, I, I remember the entire audience going nuts that, okay, this is the big villain. And the fact that he kept getting teased and teased until now... But like I, I, we were there together. You, you were there too. Like I know you kind of went. You got pretty excited, and yeah. I remember like a lot of the people that we were with, like almost basically jumped out of their chair. Like they couldn't believe they're going to bring Thanos to the movies. Like he's going to be in a film. Yeah, I mean when you when you sit there and, and you come up with um, like you know who's who's the big who's the big who's guy? the big guy the big gun at the at the end of the storyline. Right. You know, you know your 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 mind instantly you know might go to a character like Galactus. But you know, basically, that was so that was still that's going to be company. with the Fantastic Four. Same thing with Doctor but Doom. He's, he was with another Doctor Doom, another, with the Fantastic another company. Four. But uh, Thanos is, uh, you know, a, a perfect contender for like you know a big villain for everybody to be after. Uh, and at, and ultimately, Thanos, you know, was behind, um, uh, you know, the invasion yeah, of Earth. Yeah, that's right. You know, so I mean, he he's been behind the scenes. He's been at the be very beginning of this, and it's. Um, it's going to be, I'm really much looking forward to the, the final part of, the, of this movie. Um, 
and see where they go from there. Because I, I remember seeing uh, Avengers Infinity War for the first time, uh, and you had to realize it really was considered like it was being called part one. Yeah, before before it was uh, Infinity War, it was just going to be part, you know, Avengers Four Part One was the obviously very early early title until they finally gave it uh, Infinity War, and now we know the Part Two is Endgame. And I I think there were a lot of people that saw the movie and were kind of upset about where it left. Like it, it, this yes, wasn't a full was, movie. I, I remember hearing that too. Like they, like, they, oh, they, they wanted to do it. They wanted, and it's like, no, you don't understand. It, the, the story is very. It's big. It's part one going to part two. So I mean, like we can, you know, we're gonna look at this film and, and give it give it our best review, knowing that this is a part one because the entire story hasn't even been told yet. You know, yeah. this whole part two might change your feelings on part one based on the whole outcome. So we don't really know yet what's what's going to happen until uh, the end of April when this movie finally comes out. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you, you don't get the full story arc. Um, it, it, it is intentionally half of the story. Correct. And, Correct. and, that, and that's fine. So, in, in a sense, you know, you know, usually the most dramatic and climactic part of a storyline is usually, you know, the, the third act. So, basically, what you've got here is um, a full act one, which is very introductory. Yep. Um, and then either a full act two or a half of an act two. Um, and so you could say that, you know, in terms of all the action in the storyline, there are certain parts that may have been a little slow, but they were establishing the final design of the endgame. Um, and you're not going to get that unbelievable finale until uh, the next movie. And, and that's to be expected. You know, you have to go into these movies understanding what, what, this, what the storyline is. You know, if you, if you, if you saw uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy and, and uh, expected everything to be done by the end of right. the Fellowship of the Ring, you're missing, you're missing the point. <laughs> you know, you have, to, you have to understand what you're watching. Um, so. One thing I, I really did enjoy with uh, Infinity War is I really enjoyed how the, the, the groups of characters that they put together because they mixed and matched certain characters in this film uh, and paired them off, I thought, pretty well. Like Thor being paired off with... The Guardians. With the Guardians. You know, even for that short bit where he had that, that, that great scene and then him being with Groot and with Rocket. Uh, I loved how he kept referring to him as Rabbit. Yes. That, Priceless. I thought, was... That's just pure MCU Thor, I think, at, at this point. I will say that this film did something a little different where it held back on the quick one-liners that Marvel has been kind of building on. Ever since the first Guardians film, I've almost felt that every film after that has tried to emulate that, emulate that all those like quips and those one-liners that they got, and they tried to one-up the previous Marvel film. So it almost got to me drowned out a little bit uh, in some of those films in between. So. And sometimes that works. And sometimes yes, it does. Yes. There, uh, there, there's, I think I, there's appropriate times for that. Yeah, and I the, thought the, 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 the jokes that were in, the fir- in Ant-Man actually worked. In the first Ant-Man. Yeah, in the first, first Ant-Man. Ant-Man yes. uh, it actually was, uh, it wasn't over the top and overboard. It, it worked and it was funny. And I feel it, it failed in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. It felt very repetitive of that. Yeah. Well, to me, it's very similar to the first Guardians of the Galaxy in Volume 1 and Volume 2. Because in Volume 2, I felt they were doing... Again, they were trying to emulate the first film and what worked. Right. But you had already done a lot of that. So you needed to do something different. 
Yes. But that's why I was happy with this film, where they kind of held... I think they restrained themselves a little bit. Because it is a little bit more of a serious film. The, just the stakes are are so high, just from the very beginning, when you, you know what Thanos is trying to do. So I was actually happy that they didn't take away from that by keep throwing in a joke every other line. Well, I mean, the good thing is, is you keep it because... You know, all the different Marvel movies kind of had a different, a little bit of a different like style and personality to them. And basically, what you did is you brought all those individual personalities into the into this film. So when the Guardians were on screen, there was more of a not, there was more of a chance that there was going to be some yeah. jokes, and there were. And their personalities, like you said, yeah. were very different compared to the other films prior to that coming out. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, just looking, just talking briefly about the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, that was to me was a. I think they took a, a big, chance, big and it, chance and it paid off because it big was, time. they hadn't made a movie like that, I don't think, ever. Um, and they did it with a lot of, at that time, relatively no-name characters. No one knew that. Um, I'll, I'll be honest, when I saw that first trailer, the only thing that I thought that was really good about it was the music. When I'm watching some of that trailer, that first trailer, I was like, they're going to put these guys on screen? Like, we're going to go and watch this? But I saw the movie and I was... I thought it was fantastic. Like that to me is one of my favorite, favorite I, Marvel I agree. films. It was a, it was a, to me it was a, a, a big risk. Um, and again, if if Marvel was making individual self included movies, I would imagine they would not have taken that risk. I, I but the agree. fact that that, that it, it was a, embedded in a larger structure, it's tied where in. There, you know, all these movies are kind of together, and they're they're all making a lot of money. And at that point, you know. They were well on their way. It was, it was a profitable franchise, period. Yes. Um, so they were able to take a little bit uh, of risk. And they did, and it paid off immensely. Um, and they all and became love, like likable characters. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and I think uh, a lot of that you know, really kind of paid off in Thor Ragnarok as well, because Thor Ragnarok yes. was very different from the first two Thor movies in very terms of, of style. By and, far you know, the best Thor film. And it had, a, it had a lot of funny jokes and, and some you know, funny characters. You know, Jeff Goldblum was the Grandmaster. Um, and it was, uh, to me, I think it, it, was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was, it's one of my favorite movies uh, of, the Marvel, of the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it was really, really enjoyable and nonstop. And, uh, and it had a lot of jokes and, and almost all of them hit, which yes. was, uh, which was um, you know, uncommon. And I think that's where some of the other films kind of get me a little bit is that some of them, because you're... You're almost waiting for the punchline at some point. Like, I'm almost waiting for one of these actors to just kind of throw out one of those one-liners. And and I don't want it to get to that point. It should almost be, like, unexpected and just, like, very very easy. Just rolls off the tongue. seems very fluid. Like, right. It shouldn't seem like it's forced. And I almost felt for a period of time with some films, it felt like it was a little forced just to get the comedy in there. Just to get that yeah. aspect. And that usually can be just, you know, somebody who's who, who's the decision-maker behind the scenes... That could be just the person saying, like, hey, you know, this worked for Guardians, let's do it here. And somebody's saying, well, it's, you know, Doctor Strange isn't that type of movie. And somebody just says, well, we don't care, just put it in there. Right, that could have been someone you know, from Marvel saying, okay, this is what, we want to make a couple changes you know, here. This is why, you, you know, you, do, you, want the, you want the money people to not necessarily influence too much of the creative people. Exactly, exactly. You know, so, I mean... It, I, I do think but this but this worked. What they did yes. in Infinity War, I, I thought. No, really, I, I think it did. I, I, I thought, to I me, I think one well. of my favorite lines uh, is um, from Mantis, <laughs> and it's hard to say because you're so used to saying it the right way. You know, we 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 take kick, ass, kick we kick names, names and, and take ass, ass. Yeah. which is really really funny. It's very funny because it's just we all get the joke. 
but it's just the fact that how she's saying it, it, it just worked really well. Yeah. And I, I can tell you, you know, I mean, I think Mantis is, Mantis is one of my favorite characters in the Guardians of the Galaxy. And, and it just goes to show you the, the depth of the Marvel Universe um, in terms of how many characters there are. You know, Mantis is not a household name. No. Mantis is not a tier one or even a tier two character. You know, Mantis was around in the 70s and she was kind of cool um, and didn't really last much longer. But that just, just shows you how how good the writing of of these characters were. You know, whether, whether it had been written, you know, by Stan Lee or Roy Thomas or Marv Wolfman, um, all these characters that were, you know, Steve Englehart, Jim Starlin, all these characters that were created, they're movie ready. Yeah. You know, you can just pull these in. And, and you don't see that, unfortunately, you don't see that as much in the DC universe because DC, I think, was really stuck in that mindset of, you know, the only way we're going to make money is with Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And that's it. And they didn't and even have Wonder Woman. That was only recent. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, for years prior to that, you know, prior to the more recent aside films, from the, well, aside it was just from Superman the, and Batman, and that TV was the TV show, yeah. And the TV show, right. You know, but, you know, eventually they said, okay, let's, you know, get Flash and Green Lantern. It's like, okay, you know, not for nothing, Flash and Green Lantern are still tier one characters. Absolutely. You know, you know, there's, and there are more tier one characters. You know, DC has to, you know, take a little bit of a chance and pull in more of their characters. And I think you're seeing that with uh, Shazam. Like, there, I mean, to me, Shazam... Right. I don't know if I put him up at tier one. Not to sidetrack from uh, from. You, our you review, can't go to the same well over the, and over. Right. And over. I think you have to start taking chances, and, and hopefully DC is doing that with Shazam, and hopefully that's successful, so that they can start milling out some of their other side characters. Uh, I mean, because they they yeah. should. Some of these characters really should get on screen, so that everyone can go and enjoy them. I mean, every character in the Guardians of the Galaxy is like a is a is a low level tier two or even a tier three character. I mean, and they put together, they put them all in this one team, and, and for the record, that's not even the original comic book Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, like almost the only, none of them are. It's a completely different group. Um, you know, you get a character like Groot, who literally appeared in, you know, prior to 1990, <laughs> I think Groot appeared in three comic books and one of them was a reprint of the previous one. You know, you're taking like you know they're able to take characters that have been in three comic books and and, 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 and make a successful character out of that. You know, an endearing character. I mean, yeah. people. I think there are people that love Groot. You know, it's hysterical. You know, and it, and it so and that's why and that's one of the things that Marvel has to bank on. That all the characters that they haven't used yet are available for the next generation. You're talking about. Characters that have not been touched yet: Submariner, Moon Knight, um, She-Hulk. Yep. You know, and and a horde of villains. You know, because you know there's you know the the ratio of so villains the ratio of villains to heroes is you know probably twenty to one or if yeah. not more. Um. So so there is a lot to look forward to. Um. But uh, okay, so back back to Avengers. Back to Avengers. We'll keep we'll keep we're gonna do some references and we'll side departing, <laughs> and we'll keep getting back we'll, to we'll, Avengers. We'll come back. We'll right. get back on track. Uh, I I think. Seeing, seeing uh, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man, and Tony Stark together, uh, I thought that was an interesting combination because you just you have the two brilliant minds of both Strange and Stark, and then you throw in this this young kid in the mix who's got kind of a, a little bit of a mouth on him, who literally might be the best Spider-Man. 
Yeah, uh, out, of, out of all the ones that we've had, uh, has done such a fantastic job in just a couple of times that we've seen him. I mean, obviously he had his, his full film in Homecoming, but uh, just a little bit we saw him in Civil War, and this film, he really has been fantastic. I'm very happy that uh, we're getting, a, you know, Tom Holland's the second film is coming out, Far From Home, mm -hmm. uh, is going to be coming out uh, this year. So that I'm looking forward to that. And that's the, you know, that's the fun film now that we're talking about this movie because, you know, I almost want to get to at the very end and we'll, we'll discuss this. But all the characters, what happens after the snap, all these big names that we know, they're not going away. You know, you're, right. not, you're not getting rid of some of these huge franchise characters that they just literally had their first films, like with Black Panther or with Spider-Man. We know that these guys are coming back at some point, so it'll be interesting to really see how, how that all occurs. Well, I mean... It, and I don't want to jump the gun and get to that and jump to the end, because that that is, like, the biggest revelation and discussion is, is really about what's going on with the snap. Right. I mean, it, yeah, it, it really is a good discussion to say, basically to, to, to see who is on which side of the snap. And yes. It, it, to me, it's not... It's not as it's not as Thanos would say random, <laughs> right? Yeah, and and that's that's something that's definitely a discussion that's coming. I think. Yeah, we'll but, get to that. You know, I I think it's funny for some reason, and I was telling uh, John this during the during the view is that Tony Stark still has the small little cell phone that Steve Rogers gave him at the end of Civil War in his okay? back pocket. In his back pocket. Why? He first of all, there's a number in it, so. Tony, the most technologically advanced human around, doesn't put that in his own cell phone. Like he, he's still carrying around the the, the early two thousand flip phone that he right. that he got from him. The sec he yeah he's literally carrying a second phone around. Like I get the joke when you know when when Captain America gives it to him because it's a flip phone and you know you know Captain America is old school so I I get that part. But why the heck is Tony still carrying that around? That to me I, I was like mm, he sh I feel like he shouldn't have that anymore. But this is, I mean, that's, but that's stupid and it's nitpicking and I understand that. But it's just, you know, when you, when you really dive into it, it's like, I feel like Tony would have just done something different. I feel like he would have found it, or, or he wouldn't have the phone on him. Like, all of a sudden, like, why would he think the world's going to come to an end? I need to have, I need to have uh, Captain America's phone on me at all times, just in case I need to contact right, him. Right, right. I, I think it's a, a, maybe a, a good time to bring up some of the other um, things that are a little, little odd about the film. Um, I, one of the things I always... Uh, well, not about the film, but in general. I, I always found it a little odd. You know, you, when you hear the one where Thanos says, you know, we got to go to Earth and get two of the Infinity Stones. And it's like, okay, these Infinity Stones have been around since the Big Bang. Um, you know, they've spread out to all corners of the universe. And, they're un and, and lo and behold, um, Earth gets two. Earth has two of them. <laughs> you know, and so, okay, so Doctor Strange has the Time Stone. And, you know, that makes sense. He's the master of the mystic arts. You know, he's guarding it. He's, you know, using it. Um, you know, that kind of makes sense. Well, okay. Loki did... Well, I think we also have to keep in mind, too, that Loki brought the staff to Earth. So technically, I guess you could say just it was the Time Stone, but it was because of Loki when he came and they got the staff from him. And Age of Ultron, that's where they got the Sect the Mind Stone from. It was in Loki's staff. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the one that eventually got to fix the Vision's head. And that's the Mind Stone, right. Right. And that, and that to me, that's... that. It's almost a, it's almost a little convenient because exactly. right. because you know you know the vision is walking around with an infinity stone upon his head. Why is he not 
really, really much more powerful than he is. is I thought he was is, much more powerful than Age of Ultron. Is he incapable of 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 handling the end of the power? I mean, I guess so. Because um, keep in mind, in the comic books, the Vision is not a possessor of a soul gem or an Infinity Stone. In the comic books, he just has basically a he just has a a gem on his head that is just a solar converter. It, it takes uh, it takes you know the sun's rays. You know, solar energy and converts it in as a as a power source. It's you know, it's a very, you know, normal comic booky thing. It's not you know grand scale. It's not you know he's not using it to fight Galactus. He's you know he's just using it as part of his construct. Um, so having uh, him being upgraded to a holder of an Infinity Stone in the, in the movies, um, to me is it's a it's a it's a significant departure and upgrade of his character. But I think it, it was done more out of a convenience to corral the stones. I think so, too. To, to corral the stones. Yeah, I think so. I, I agree with that. But it, they make it work. I'll yeah. say that. They, they, they do, you know, they make that aspect work. And, it's, and another, another thing is, is with Thanos' grand plan is, um, like I said, the, the radical departure from the comic book is, you know, in the comic book he wants to kill everybody, and now he wants to kill half the universe. So... I guess you know it, it was more marketable to do it that way. Absolutely. Um, but but that type of plan um, does come with its flaws in two senses. Um, you know, it's they're not on the surface. So I, I think the plan sells from a movie standpoint and from a, a viewer standpoint. The plan works on film. But if you really think about it, it, it does break down a little bit to something that doesn't make sense because ultimately, one thing is he's eliminating all humanoids. Where, as opposed to all life, you know what I mean? You know, you know, he, you know, the the, res the resources of the universe are being used up by all living things. You know, I don't think half of the ants in, in, on Earth disappeared. You know, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's like he, he's, Do you think it's more sentient life. He's, at, at, at this, I would consider all life to be sentient. Right. But I mean, it really is just you know humanoid-based life. Which is, you know, a highly, little, highly evolved. Yeah, which is a little bit, you know, a um, little bit of a quirk. Uh, the other part of it is that um, you got to keep in mind that life in the universe ebbs and flows. You know, like, so he went to Gamora's planet and they were overpopulating. You know, so kill half of them makes sense. You know, every planet in the universe is at a different level. Different stage of, its, of, of their its life cycle. Yeah. You know, the, the, the planet that has need, is in the middle of birthing life you know, probably can't afford to lose half of its life. You know what I mean? You know, it, it, life in the universe is not at one level. It's, it's everywhere life exists is at its own level. There are, there are planets uh, that have not given birth to life yet and will in the future. There are planets that have, the life is already gone because they've, they've gone to extinction. You right. know, the universe has been around for billions of years, you know, so... There is a certain flaw to it, if you really look into it. Is, is it enough for them to change their plot in the movie? No. No. But if you, know, if you, if you really looked at it from a scientific standpoint... Which they're not counting on. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, but if you think about it, you sit there and say, well, wait a second, doesn't that really not make sense? You know, not every planet is on the brink of right. extinction. Because not, every not, everybody's has, on the same, not everybody's eight, on the same clock. Has you know, almost 8 billion people on the planet. You know, there are definitely planets out there that are just walking around, you know, with much, sub of, much of, less evolved life. You know, you know, you know the, the rationale, is, I think, is, you know, humanoid life tends to take away more than they get. But if, you know, you have a, if you have a planet just running around with, you know, with, you know, plants and, and apes, right. whatever, they, you know, they're not 
dying out. They're living life the way they should be, the way right. life was intended, you know, with a balance of nature. You know, it's, it is humanity that, you know, is, you know, like, as I said in The Matrix, humanity is more like a virus <laughs> than, you know, a contributor to the well-being of the universe. So I understand that, but, you know, if you really look at it technically, um, you fall into some of those pitfalls. But again, does it take away from the movie? No, not really. No. I think it's still does. No, that's, that's, a, that's a, it's a conversation to have at some point afterwards with friends, but I don't think that's what the Russo brothers were right. uh, thinking about when, uh, when I would, I would expect that type of analysis, analysis to be in, a, in, a, in, a, in an episode of The Big Bang Theory, where Sheldon yes. says, this makes absolutely no sense if you really think about it. You know? Yeah, I, right. and, he, and he would be the character to actually right. come up with that, too. And we are not The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> no, although we like the Big Bang Theory. We could. Oh, we love the Big Bang Theory. Right. Um, I, I like seeing the... Uh, oh, boy. See, this is the part where after, after you go through it, after a while, you start really thinking. You almost overthink it sure. to, to a degree. Um, I did thought it was interesting that they with, withheld the Hulk and didn't show him the whole film? You know what, I, I had a little, I, may, I, I, would, I kept a little uh, cliff notes about like things I wanted to work. That was one of the things I wanted to work. In my head, I'm going, was it a budget thing? <laughs> Did they want to just well, save a little on the budget by not doing the Hulk? I, I just wonder if they're just holding back because he might have more of a role in a second film. Because obviously I think at some point, he's coming toe-to-toe -to -toe with Thanos again at some point. I think you're going to have Hulk Thanos. Hulk, want, Hulk is going to get his courage back and, and come you're back. Gonna, you're going to see that. You know, but is, is it just because he got beat that he he doesn't want to come out and play? Like, I, I don't... That's well, I, mean, I just I mean, really didn't it is, it is a bold move because basically you shelved one of your main characters for this for part one, right? Um, and maybe it was just done to maybe it was done. To, I, I mean, I don't think it was done for budgetary reasons. I I think they could care less about that. I think maybe it was done to give the fight shine on other characters. To other characters. I mean, I mean, you shine. I mean, listen. Obviously, when we get to Wakanda, by the time we get there, you know, we're really shining on uh, mm -hmm. on Captain America. Uh, of course, Black Panther, and um, and then finally, you know, Thor coming back. Right. Um, Thor's entrance when he gets the Stormbreaker and arrives at Wakanda is one of my favorite parts of Infinity War. Just to see him all powered up with his new weapon and just starts leveling the field. Yeah, kind of looking like with the, with that electricity that he yes. showed at the end of uh, Thor Ragnarok. Exactly. Where he, he came into it. It's just so powerful. And just, you, you just see, like, you know, when you finally start to really see some of Thor's power, which I think in his first two films, you really didn't see that much. Um, e even in, I would say, the first two Avengers films, to a degree, you really didn't see that as much. But the fact that they really showed it in this one uh, was great. I wonder... Is it going to be something the opposite going into four, where Thor had his fight with Thanos right. at the end, stabbed him, and are we going to see something different going into uh, Endgame? Well, I mean, with the with the absence of the Hulk character in the you know final you know not the the, the end battle of the first, of the first Avengers movie, um, you really needed a character like Thor to show up because you know what you have is you have Thanos walking around with an infinity gauntlet with six gems in it. And, you know, he's like the most powerful being in the universe. And then, you know, you got, you know, Wakanda and Storm Spears at him. Right. And, there's and, only so and much he's blocking them. And it's right. like, you know, you got uh, the Winter Soldier the, the Winter shoot, shooting, shooting them with machine bullets. guns at right. him. And it's like, you know, Which you is know a joke. there is a little bit of absurdity yeah. there. Because, you know, you know, a character like the Black Widow, you know, 
isn't you know is shooting whatever she, you know her her electrical her venom that she's yeah like that like she's you not know? doing that even even Captain America only has so much strength he's yeah. he's not going to be able to do as much I mean look at look at Iron Man Iron Man had the most you know sophisticated suit out there and there's only he, you know he barely scratched Thanos there's only so much he can actually do with that right and I just found it funny like you actually see Thanos going to the motions of blocking these attacks. Right. Whereas if he literally just stood there and just he wouldn't he it, just squeeze it would do it would do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you, well, know? You, can, you know it's funny how like when uh, Gamora and uh, Quill are on in the uh, what's that nowhere that nowhere uh, section of space and they're there and Thanos is getting the reality stone. Yes. All right. So the two of them are there and shoot his gun and he turns the laser blast into bubbles. bubbles. So he could have easily just done that rather than just like pushing away right. the bullets. Or, or done nothing. They, the bullets would have hit him. They, that, would, have, right. they would have done nothing. I, I, I mean, honestly think he's that these strong. Are, these are not, not cosmic weapons. It, it just, right. But it, I guess you know, you know, from a, from a movie-making standpoint, it would look silly for him to ignore their efforts. But if you really think about right. how powerful he is, it's absurd that he would even care about their efforts. Exactly. You know, so it's just one of those things where, like, you know, you have to take the story design uh, in, into it. Well, he, I mean, when he grabs Spider-Man, when they're fighting on uh, Titan, he grabs Spider-Man and calls him, an, you know, an insect. And I don't think he's referencing his character name. I just think he's referencing a human being as an insect because I think that's how he does see everybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one thing I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit is um, uh, how much the heroes, you know, almost sabotaged their own efforts yes. at every point where, you know, it's... You know, yeah. Well, almost Will's, at, Will's almost at every stone, there's a there's a hero making the noble decision, but the wrong decision right. in terms of a, a you know a strategic like Quill, battle. Quill really screws them. Yeah, by getting making it personal. Absolutely. And taking it upon himself to punch Thanos with his gun at the moment where they're about, about to, to get his off. gauntlet off. Like they are literally having, you know, you see Spider-Man literally pulling it to the point where you see, you start to see the palm of Thanos and he's probably within seconds away of finally getting the whole thing off and could probably at that point stop him. Yeah. And Quill can't keep his emotions in check for just a few more seconds for that to happen. Right. Now, okay, his love... He finds out that his love's killed. I, I, emotionally, I'm sure that's going to stir him quite a bit. But he has, like, the fact that he couldn't stop himself and think of the bigger picture, to me, was really disappointing. And I know they have to do that for story ways. You have to create conflict. That's the whole point of a film. Yeah, you, there, you, there, you, there, need, you need conflict. You need to basically a, show it. Take. Like, we're going we're gonna to show this. We're going to dangle it. That's the carrot. They're showing the carrot in front of you. They're dangling mm -hmm. it. And just as the hero, you're about to get it, they take it away. Something takes it away. And that's what they use. They and use that's Star, what they did. They use Star-Lord's emotion Absolutely. as the device to take it away. You know, and then you have the scenario where the, you know, the Scarlet Witch does not want to destroy the gem. Right. That might be the thing that wins it all. And it's like, well, no, I'm not going to destroy the gem because it's going to kill the vision. If she would have, if it's she like, could have destroyed it before Thanos even got there, got before he even got the time, the time stone, down. right? Then at that point in time, it might have been null and void. Now, the one person who I think is immune from that argument is Doctor Strange, because people will say, um, you know, he gave up the time uh, gem to save Tony Stark. You know, isn't that the same thing? And I, I don't think it is because I feel my my prediction. Um, is that um, Doctor Strange knows this is that the, the, the yes. one reality that where they that they win? Yes, Tony Stark is a key player in that. 
sequence well, it's, of events. That's either, what I feel. Well, it's either that Tony Stark is a key player, or he sees himself the only chance that they won was by giving Thanos the stone. In all the other versions where they lost, they are trying to protect it. I, I, I think you I think that's definitely a valid argument. But I, I, I think it's I, I do think that it's a little bit of that I think Strange knows that you need Stark and if you lose Stark, it's gone. I mean that's my personal projection. Yeah. No, I, um, you know it's funny, I hadn't thought of it that way. I had not thought about the fact that he was doing it to save Tony because he saw Tony's role in the future. I, I thought more of it as by giving him the stone and letting him go through with everything, it was only then that they could finally defeat him. Yeah, I think, I, 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 think it, I, think, I think it might be a combination of both. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, like, we could fight all we want. He's getting this stone. But if he's going to get it, we need Tony alive. Right. Too, on top of that. that and that was, that was, especially, you know, again, going back to the, the, the chemistry that these guys had on board the ship where Doctor Strange is basically saying, he's like, it's like, if it's a choice between the stone and you, or you or that kid, I'm choosing the stone. And then he goes, of course, he goes back on that mm -hmm. after he does his little uh, time trick. Uh, right. I do love the fact that, that Tony called them wizards uh, a couple, one, at least once, if not twice, during the film. Uh, I did find that very funny. I mean, I mean, look at what Loki does. You know, Loki gives up the Tesseract because right. he's, you know, Thanos is killing Thor. Right. Right? So again, it, it, you know, all you gotta do, apparently, all you gotta do <laughs> to get an Infinity Stone from anybody is to just, you know, Say you're gonna hurt somebody you love, and yeah. it works every time. You know, now granted, I, Thor probably would have wished Loki would have gave it up a little sooner because all he did was, you know, just you know, zap his head for a while. <laughs> but you know, Gamora does the same thing. Gamora gives up the location of yeah. the Soul Gem because he's torturing Nebula. Nebula, yeah. You know, and it's like, wow. <laughs> but that, I mean, but that is the theme. I mean, how many stones did he get by doing that? All of them. Almost right? all. Of them. Almost all. Of them. Yeah, he, he almost all of them. Yeah. I actually wish they would have shown some type of flashback when Thor starts talking about how he got the Power Stone from, uh, what's that planet where Nova's from? Xandar. Xandar. I really almost wish that they showed a little flash of that as he's talking about it. Like, as, as Thor is narrating the destruction of Xandar, I wish they would have actually shown that because, to me, that was actually a really cool planet when they did uh, Guardians. I would have liked to have like kind of revisited that a little bit. Oh, I mean, yeah, the birthplace of the Nova Corps, yeah. 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 I, would have, I would have enjoyed that. Um, I mean, to me, the, the, the time stone in giving that up, I think, is one of the big conversations as to what did Doctor Strange really see. And I think that's probably one of the biggest areas um, that people can discuss their theories on what's going to happen and, and what Doctor Strange actually saw. What, one quick sidebar on, uh, on Doctor Strange. Um, one, I, and I know you're not a big fan of the, uh, the first Doctor Strange movie. And I'm curious if they're going to come out with a second one. I think they well, they are. They are. They, there's, they're in talks right now. It's not that I was a, wasn't a huge fan. It's just they make him such a jerk right, in well, the film. And right. I don't know. Is uh, I haven't read a, a ton of Doctor Strange. And I don't know if that's his actual personality or not. Well, he in the comics, he, he is a jerk. He's okay. like the biggest jerk on Earth. Okay. Um, but like you don't really see him for that long, um, but in the comic books when he when he goes out and to search out the ancient one, you know and and you know learns this lesson in humility or whatever, you know he basically stays there and perfects his craft, um, and I feel that the way they did it in the movie is that he went from he went from a complete non-believing jerk. Right to a master, the master of the, of the mystic arts in like a month. You yeah. know, maybe a little more than that, but it, whatever right. the time frame was, 
it's it very, did very not short. remotely but seem like that was one of my big for I mean, him to be a master. Well, when we discuss, I'm sure at some point we will do a discussion on uh, some of the other MCU films. Um, we can definitely table this discussion for then because I, I agree with you. I think that was one of the the points that really took me took me out of that movie was the fact that how quick he learned everything and basically by the end of the film becomes a master of it all. Right. I mean, in, if this was really, I mean, if, it were, if they were going to do it in a way that made sense, you know, the, the Doctor Strange that you're seeing now should have been around for a good 20 years. Right. You know what I mean? And like, just, and, and or ten, or even craft. 10 years. Or even 10 years. And, that, and that's where you could show he's mastered his craft over that yeah, time. Because there, there was an evolution of, of Doctor Strange, even in terms of, of power level, in terms of, uh, in, um, in the comic books, you know, he was, you know, he was a novice, and then he became, you know, master of the mystic arts, and then, you know, he became the defender of the dimension right. of, of the Earth dimension, you know, and he even gained even more powers after that. Um, it, you know, it has to be uh, a level of years, um, even to the point of ten years, and I, and I just don't think they addressed that. Aptly, to the point where it made it unbelievable that he would go from you know zero to from hero, nothing to hero, from yeah. zero to hero yep. in that short amount yeah, of time. Absolutely, no, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, I think discussing the the end battle. I, I don't know what those creatures were. I was actually asking him this during the film, um, and I can honestly say I. I Take us back to the comics. Yeah, so even though I'm a big uh, comic fanatic, um, you know, my, my comic book heyday is, you know, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and even into the 90s. Uh, the last good 25 years, I've, I don't actively buy comics or uh, actively read them, but, you know, I do know a little bit of what's going on. Um, so there are a lot of times where Chris will tell me, you know, hey, you know, is this character in the comics? And I'll be like, you know what, I don't know. Um, you know, so these these you know so the the new guardians of the galaxy um, were in the comics. Yes, you know it was the, it was a new team. It was all um, new. I mean that uh, that was done within the last I think like in the mid early to mid two thousands. I think the uh, the new team came out and the, it's the characters that we know in the, from the films. I I'm, I didn't recognize any of the children of Thanos, but I'm pretty sure they're from the comic books as well. Um, these creatures that they're attacking in Wakanda. I have no idea whether they're from the comic books or not. Um, I think I think Wakanda is is special. Um, I thought that was such a great idea to have the fight in Wakanda. Uh, the fact that we got to see uh, Black Panther's sister and just how smart she is. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing a scene between her and Tony Stark. I really hope that happens in Endgame. Just of just of how brilliant both of those people are. Um, I'm wondering if it's them together that helped to resurrect Vision at some point to kind of fix uh, fix him since his body is just basically dormant at this point in time. Oh yeah, I, I think this is a good time to talk about uh, the snap. Um, yeah. In terms of, okay, so who got snapped and who didn't? Um, and None of the original Avengers. Right. So... Which obviously was done intentionally. It's got to be done. No matter, you can talk about randomness all you want. Nope. <laughs> the fact that the original Avengers... But Rhodey's there. Which I thought was interesting. Well, Rhodey's I mean, still he's still around. I mean, to me, basically, it looks like um, I think the theory is is that anybody that was actually 
killed on screen in terms of like you know whether it's a broken neck or shot or you know like I think those characters have been well we're talking pre and so so basically we have to separate it for, as pre snap and post snap right so pre snap you had characters like Loki um, Heimdall and Heimdall you know they were physically killed. they were physically killed before and as far as I'm concerned they're dead. And if you know, you look at their you know it, movie contracts. You know, basically, they're I think their time, is up. their time is up. You know, this but, is how they're weeding everybody out. And if you, I'm sorry, but if you do bring them back, I think it cheapens their death a little bit. I do too. It's it, you know, it's not like they died from a snap. They literally died physically from that from Thanos. So I, I, I wouldn't, as much as I love Heimdall and Loki, I I would not want to see them come back. Oh, and and a lot of film. other Asgardians uh, were killed in Thor Ragnarok. I mean, the the Warriors three. You know, these, yes, you know, Hella, taken out. Hella, Hella killed a boatload of these people, um, right. you know, and I mean, I think these characters, they're gone, you know, so I, I don't, I, I'd love Gamora to see. Gamora is the question mark. Well, okay, so, so one, I'd like to see what they're going to do with Thor going forward, um, because, you know, Thor isn't immortal, he's not a human, you know, uh, you know, right. so how, what are they going to do with Thor going forward? Uh, Gamora, so. Well, Thor was, but Thor's, Thor wasn't, he didn't. Go away from the snap. He's, no, he didn't. He's, but he's but again, I think you know. I think Chris Hemsworth. Oh, just what are they going to do with studio him? Studio is oh, up. Yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. are they going to be doing with the Thor character after Avengers Endgame? You know, is he going to be you know physically killed by Thanos or we or, can we should play? Well, you know, after we discuss the snap, let's let's talk about who who's who we think is leaving, right. who's staying. So now Gamora uh, is basically a, uh, was a sacrifice to the soldier. Right now in the comics, and I'm going back to what I saw in the seventies. Um, the soul gem uh, steals people's souls, and the pe and they reside inside, inside the, the soul. soul gem. Okay, I think that's so. That's the theory so Thanos in the in the 70s. Thanos, uh, sorry, uh, Gamora and Adam Warlock and and Pip the Troll, who they didn't use in any of these movies yet. Um, you know, th when they were killed, by to speak, they were you know by means of the soul gem, they were. They were pulled into the soldier, and at some point they came out of the soldier. So yeah. to me, you know, That's I, think, been my I think Gamora's. You know, I, I think, you know, I think they're definitely going to keep going forward with the Guardians, and I think they would go forward with Gamora as well. So I don't think Gamora is out. I think, I don't think so Gamora either. will. They will some, somehow Gamora will come She's back from that back. abyss. Yeah, I, I agree with it you potentially. On that. And I think anyone that was killed after the snap, uh, I think all those people are coming back. I don't right. think. I really right. don't think anybody's going to. To me, I think the, the 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 end game is somehow the reversal of what oh, Thanos yeah, right. did. So all the people that faded away, they're coming back. Right. All the people that didn't fade away, most of them, I think, are going to be physically killed in final battle. I think if you and had to say... Who do you have? I mean, who, <laughs> all the original characters. All the oldest characters. So not yeah. random. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, the people that I think are actually... The, the two biggest names are obviously going to be Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans. Uh, Chris yes. Evans had sent out a tweet, you know, when they wrapped production on uh, Endgame, just thanking the crew and, you know, all the fans and everyone... To me, it was almost like a farewell, a farewell tweet that he sent out. Um, I remember that getting a lot of scrutiny that that week when he sent that out. So, 
there is a good possibility that this is the last we'll ever see of Chris Evans. And even the guy who played the Hulk. <clears throat> Mark Ruffalo. Mark yeah. Ruffalo. I, I, think, mean, I think he'll still be around. He's been playing the Hulk for a long time. Like well, he's he, been playing he, it since the first right? Avengers He film. took over the reins quite a right. long time ago. So I, I, I think his, he might be up as well. He, he, he could be. For some reason, I don't see Mark Ruffalo you know, changing over that role yet. I'd be shocked if Thanos killed Hulk. Yeah, because, I mean, ultimately... Um, you know, every single person who didn't get snapped, I'm not saying they're all going to die. Obviously, there's going to be, you know, some carryover. But, you know, it is very obvious that these the, the oldest characters did not get snapped. Right. And, you know, at the, you know, if the Avengers Endgame is supposed to be their last movie, you know, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. You know? Well, when Tony got stabbed by Thanos, I, Thought when that was happened, old. I was like, wow, since they're actually going to do it in this film. And then he pulls it out and, and uses that, uh, I don't know, some type of like webbing or, you know, whatever, freeze mm -hmm. nanites. Yeah, I'm not exactly is. sure how he healed himself. Whatever, whatever he used there to stop the bleeding and all that stuff, I was like, okay, I guess he's going to be safe for now. And of course, in the trailer, we see him kind of floating off in space, so that'll be interesting to see how he gets out of that situation. Now, the, the, the one problem I had with the snap was um, just in terms of how they uh, displayed it, because it was always described of... Um, that, you know, Thanos is going to snap his fingers and that's going to be it. Right. And cinematically, that's a little boring because uh, in theory, every, everybody should have... Did, all, all those half... half at once. ...should have at all once. left at once. Yes. And instead, you had people, you know, watching watching someone else fade and then they started to fade. Yes. And, you know, and it, you know, so it made it like... It, a little it, more dramatic. It made it more dramatic. Yeah. And then you have someone like, you know, Nick Fury... You know, who, who watched his, his partner. partner fade, and then he realized he's about to fade, but he's trying to send uh, the signal to Captain Marvel on his phone, and his body is disintegrating, but the last thing the to last disintegrate thing. Is, is like his <laughs> thumb that's hitting the button. Well, again, and it's convenience. like, okay, you know, the convenience of storytelling, but, it, you know, it, to me, I was just like, I'm like, okay, everybody should have just snapped. Now, granted, that makes you know a little bit of a boring ending. Right. But you know, it's one of those things where if you if you're gonna go around, you gotta make it work. You gotta make it make sense. And I think it was subtle enough, where yes. again, where nobody really noticed it unless you really think about it. Well, to me, it wasn't been... an insult to your intelligence. No, I don't think so either. But I also. But it was like if you really thought about it. Everybody should have disappeared it should, once. Granted, I mean, listen, which makes sense. It should have, but the way that they ended up doing it, because the because of the characters they focused on and who actually started mm -hmm. to fade away, like Black Panther, Spider Man, yeah, uh, Groot disappeared. Yes, uh, no Quill, um, Drax, um, who else? There was, yeah. I mean, the, the yeah, few others disappeared. It, the fact that they get to focus all, on didn't them, all the Guardians. I think all, all the Guardians except uh, Rocket. Except Rocket. Rockets, rockets still around. Um, so I, I think by doing that, it just made it much more dramatic effect. Um, you know, especially I, I remember hearing a lot when Spider-Man starts to fade away, how much kids got upset because they thought Spider-Man died in the yeah. film. And you know, I, and I just remember like parents trying to like console their children, their young kids, being like, "No, no, don't worry, he's gonna be okay." Yeah. Because and we all know he is. I mean, obviously, there's another Spider-Man. There's another Spider-Man movie that's coming out, so obviously he is. And we know that Black Panther did so well this past year; it's nominated for Best Picture. And we know that that's going to have another film, so there's no way he's going away. Right. But you know how they how they shot that, and you see on, uh, I think what's her name, Denai Denari, uh, the actress that plays like his right hand, Okoya Okoye. 
She's like the the warrior, right? For who? The one that's in uh, Walking Dead. In oh, Black oh. So I Denar Michelle. Michelle. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, her I think name. it's Denari. Yeah. I think that's her, her her real name. Gotcha. So that like, you see, like the expression she has in her face when Black Panther disappears is just like utter shock, and just you almost can feel the emotion through her like i i loved her in this and i really liked her in black panther too like she she is is so good uh in this that that actual that fight scene where it's it's her black widow and uh who scarlet was it? witch, scarlet witch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh that was a such a great fighting scene just to see the, the three of them team up together uh and going after one of the children of thanos uh, i thought that was that was really well done I'm just gonna my notes I think I hit almost every a lot of the things I wanted to say. Very, very yeah, this this video had a lot. You know, we wanted to you know make the first one special. Uh, a couple of hiccups along the way, um, but I think overall you can obviously in here in our discussion about this and our opinions that I think both of us pretty much enjoyed this film. Yeah. A couple of nitpicks aside, but uh, you know we we enjoy where the direction's going with the MCU, and I think we're both really looking forward to, to yeah. seeing. Yeah. And and I don't think our reviews are gonna follow like a standard scene-by-scene scene, uh, analysis. No, I, yeah, I don't you know, think like, so. You know, going through a review. I mean, it, it, it's more of a kind of an open, you know, our, I think open our... Open discussion. An open discussion. Our reviews assume you have seen the film. Um, so we're going to be jumping around a little bit and going off on tangents and so on and so forth. And I think, you know, I think it's those tangents that, you know, where you get a lot of more of the deeper insights and, I think and interesting comments. I just hope I think it brings a little bit more to the conversation rather than just yeah. saying, okay, we're going to give this film four out of five stars. And Here are the reasons this is, why. And this is what the movie is. Right. And this is what I like about and, it. The, you know, we're going to go, okay, ten minutes in, this happens. Um, I... We could do something like that, but I just I don't know if that's really our style. You right. know, we want to not to not to say that that's you know people like doing that. People want to you know hear about bit by bit, scene by scene. That's great. I just don't think that's our style in the way that we yeah. want to do and, things. And we're not following a script. We're just you know we're going off the cuff. So we you know we start somewhere and we get to another we get to another point, and then um, you know we go to the next point and we Absolutely. and we'll work our way around. We we may wind up even reviewing the the film in reverse. You know, and I mean yeah, we're just gonna talk about the different pieces and the places uh, and the parts and and get there and 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 it's just meant to be fun. Um, you know, hopefully we hit as uh, enough interesting topics, and hopefully we hit things that you maybe you've never heard before from other people, because I think everybody has a, a unique perspective on things and opinions, and the only way you get to those things is, is you know, is by by going down those things yeah. and talking about it. You know, we might get some guests uh, on here every now and then. It might not just be the two of us. We might get. Uh some family members involved or friends involved every now and then and have a have a third person on here just again just to get another uh, opinion another set of thoughts so uh, we you, just, you never know what's going to end up happening on the show sure and it, and uh, they're not all going to be superhero movies because like I said no. you know they you know and they may not always even be a, a a current film might be maybe an older film worth revisiting um, and again it might not even be a movie it may just be a cinematic discussion point Absolutely. where we we go through uh, um, Maybe we just discuss like our like top ten films or, or, or something of or, that nature. You know, talk about a you know, ten best comic book movies or ten best uh, superhero movies or ten best anything. Right. Um, or just you know talking Favorite about comedies. the Academy Awards coming up, the nominations. Yep. You know, it could be, it could be anything uh, related to cinema. Um, so again, it could be a specific film, current or old. Could be just a general discussion point. Right. Um, or it could be a review. You never, exactly. you, never, you never know. But uh, I think... Yeah. We'll, you know, we'll be a box of chocolates. Absolutely. <laughs> well put. Uh, you know, I, I think just uh, 
keep checking us out. Follow us and subscribe to us if you can. And uh, hopefully we look to put out the next video soon. And yeah. uh, I think the next one should be should be another good one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. I think they'll all be good. So we hope you guys enjoyed the uh, first episode of uh, Goody and Momo 7 Go to the Movies. Yeah. All right. So enjoy. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to finish my Guinness. <laughs> Take care. Enjoy the rest of the afternoon.